hello, everyone. Welcome to the Highway Community Podcast for Sunday, July 17th, 2022. Thanks so much for listening. Today, we are continuing our teaching series for the summer entitled Eyes to See, where we are looking at stories from the Gospels that contain the words Jesus saw and exploring together who Jesus saw, what Jesus saw, and the invitations that emerged for us to have eyes to see like him. So far in our series, we've talked about what it means to have eyes to see the kingdom and eyes to see the unseen. And this morning, we are going to look together at another story from Mark's gospel as we consider what it means to have eyes to see faith. If you have a Bible accessible, either physically or digitally, and you'd like to join me in the scriptures, you can turn or tap your way to Mark chapter 2, which is our text for this morning. Now, the first chapter of Mark's narrative largely centers on establishing Jesus's authority. Jesus demonstrates his authority to preach the good news of the kingdom. He demonstrates his authority to heal many diseases. And then in the story that immediately precedes the one we're looking at together this morning, Jesus demonstrates his authority to cast out impure spirits. However, as Mark's narrative continues to unfold, those demonstrations of authority begin to generate resistance from the Jewish religious leaders. And our story today actually is the first of five conflict stories that appear from Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through Mark chapter 3, verse 6. And these stories, incidentally, escalate in terms of the severity of the conflict. So take a look with me at Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Mark writes this, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And so we see here that Jesus returns to Capernaum, where earlier 
in Mark chapter 1, the whole town had, had lined up to see him. And again, as he returns, the crowds are huge. Verse 2 says that the people gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And so the place was packed. Even the standing room only spaces were exhausted. And Jesus, Mark says, began to teach. And notice that Mark simply says that he preached the word to them. And so just like we saw a couple of weeks ago, Mark tells us that Jesus taught, but he doesn't tell us what he taught. And as Jesus is preaching the word, something extraordinary happens. Some men came with a man who was paralyzed. And because the house was so crowded that you could not get anywhere even near the doors, as Jesus was teaching, they took the man up on the roof and began digging through the roof. Literally, Mark says that they unroofed the roof so that they could lower their friend to Jesus. Now, Mark records all of this so matter-of-factly that it can be easy to lose sight of just how outrageous this is. I mean, imagine sitting in the church, listening to teaching, and then all of a sudden, pieces of the roof start dropping into the room. Eleven years ago now, back in 2011, we did some remodeling in our house. And, and all of that remodeling started because we needed a new roof. We actually moved out for a month while the work was being done. And when the demo work started, uh, we went to visit my parents for a week in Reno. And when we got back into town, uh, I went to the house to meet the contractor. We were supposed to meet in the middle of the afternoon, and I happened to get there a little bit before he did. And I will never forget walking through the house while I was waiting for him to arrive. Earlier that same day, the roof had been torn off, and there was just stuff everywhere. There were pieces of the subroofing, there were pieces of the old composite roof, there was dust, there was dirt, there was just debris everywhere. And that, you know, combined with the wall being removed and a bunch of others being taken down to the studs, I remember just thinking, what in the world have we done? And when I think about that mess and try to imagine Jesus teaching in this home, crowded with people, and then, and then suddenly the roof starts raining down and keeps raining down. Dirt and straw and more dirt and more straw and more dirt and more straw. And if you've ever been here in our auditorium on a Sunday morning, when it's pouring down rain in the middle of a service, it's surprisingly distracting. Right? And it's hard not to be distracted by it when you're speaking. Right? And that's just rain. So I can only imagine what it must have been like for Jesus to be teaching the word to this totally packed room, and then the roof starts raining down. And then, even more unexpectedly than that, even more unexpectedly than the roof raining down, a person starts descending through the opening and is lowered 
all the way down to Jesus, right? It's crazy. And so these men climb up on the roof, they unroof it, they lower their friend down to Jesus in the middle of this crowded space where he's been teaching. And then Mark chapter 2 verse 5 says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith. Now that's so intriguing, right? And so different from, from Jesus seeing Levi at his tax collector's booth or seeing the woman who touched his cloak who had been bleeding for 12 years. Right? It's so different because people we can readily see. Right? People are physical and tangible. But faith, faith is different. Right? It's so much more ethereal. You know, when I think about faith, one of the first things that comes to mind is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Or, as the older 1984 NIV translation used to say, which is the one that I memorized years ago, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And yet Jesus saw their faith, which of course begs the question, what was it that Jesus saw that prompts Mark to say that he saw their faith? Listen again to Mark chapter 2, verse 3. It says, some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. You know, it's hard not to miss the way that these two verses are just loaded with verbs. That the men came. They brought a paralyzed man to Jesus. They carried him. They dug through the roof above Jesus. They lowered the mat. And so what Jesus saw, ultimately, right, all of those verbs show us, was action. Right? What Jesus saw was action. James chapter 2, verse 14, says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And we see the men in this story from Mark 2 really embodying that. And the Greek word that Mark uses for the faith that Jesus saw, pistis, reflects it. Pistis does not just mean faith in the sense of belief. It's more than that. It also carries the idea of reliability, the idea of promise, of, of confidence and proof and trust. And so faith is 
relying on something that is believed to be reliable. Faith is relying on something that is believed to be reliable. It's not simply about believing in God. It's about living in a way that we rely on him. And that's what the men's actions really demonstrate as they bring the paralytic to Jesus. Everything that they do and all of the relentlessness and audacity with which they do it demonstrates their reliance on Jesus and, just as importantly, their confidence that he will be reliable. And so Jesus saw action that demonstrated a reliance on him. But there's something else that's embedded in the actions of the men that's integral to the faith faith that Jesus sees. The coming and the bringing and the carrying and the digging and the lowering, they not only demonstrate reliance, they're all also about release. All of that action is about release, the men releasing their friend. It's about letting go in a very literal sense. And so the actions of the men demonstrate reliance, and that reliance ultimately involves release. Because we can't really rely without letting go. Whether that's letting go of our will, or letting go of control, or letting go of our finances, or letting go of our worries, or our cares. Reliance, faith, involves release. And so, as we consider the actions of the men in this story this morning, what would it look like for you to make faith visible in this way? Where do you sense God inviting you to actively rely on him, or to rely on him more deeply? And what do you need to release in order to do that? Where do you sense God inviting you to actively rely on him or to rely on him more deeply? And what do you need to release in order to do that? One of the most elemental and foundational ways that we practice all of that, one of the most elemental and foundational ways that we practice reliance and release is prayer. And Jesus, not surprisingly, really models this for us. And it's interesting, at the same time that Mark's gospel portrays Jesus as constantly in motion, Mark also consistently shows us Jesus intentionally withdrawing from that motion to pray. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, in a story just prior to our text, while Jesus was in Capernaum and, and was overrun with people seeking him out for healing, Mark says that very early in the morning, he got up and went to a solitary place to pray. Now, while Mark doesn't tell us what Jesus prayed, He does tell us the result, and the result was a significant reset. Jesus 
wound up deciding that God was inviting him to go somewhere else to preach because that was why he had come. And so he wound up through prayer, releasing all of the demand on him, all of the popularity and all of the success that he was having in order to align himself with his mission again. Similarly, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus faced the unimaginable stress of his imminent journey to the cross, he prayed, yet not what I will, but what you will. Right? Which is a very simple, yet very profound prayer of release. A few weeks ago, in the early morning hours of June 9th, a very dear saint, Phil Lauman, entered into the presence of Jesus at the age of 90. Phil and his wife, Dee, have been longtime and beloved members of Community Bible Church, and then for the last 17 years now of the highway community. And if you've been to the Mountain View campus uh, before the pandemic, uh, you know, back in the day when we, when we used to eagerly and readily shake hands, uh, then you probably, you probably know Phil. Phil was the tall, white-haired man who stationed himself at the door every Sunday morning, greeting everyone who entered the auditorium with the warmth and joy that, that radiated God's love and was absolutely infectious. And I can only imagine how much more intense that joy is now as, as Phil is experiencing God's glory. But in addition to, to extending God's love to everyone who entered and exited the building, Phil did something else every Sunday that was less visible. For more than 30 years, every Sunday morning, Phil arrived early to pray with his friend, Bob Logan. And Phil and Bob prayed for the ministry of the church. Uh, they prayed for all of us who were gathering here. They prayed for the staff. They prayed for God's will to be done and for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Every week, with, with astonishing faithfulness, they practiced faith. They practiced reliance and release through prayer. And what an inspiring example that is. May God open us to the ways that he is inviting us to rely on him. May the Holy Spirit make us aware of the things that we need to release. And may we have the faith and the courage to let go and trust and live in a way that is more deeply reliant on our gracious God. And as we do that, May our faith, in all of its beauty, become something that can be seen in real and tangible ways. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful this morning for this wonderful story, for the faith of these men who brought their friend to Jesus and everything that it shows us about seeing faith. 
And Father, as we consider the ways that you are inviting us to rely on you, whether it's something new or something that you are inviting us to deepen, would your spirit make us aware of the things that we need to release? And God, would you give us courage to do that? We confess, God, the very real struggle that it can be to let go of things, whatever it is that that might look like for us. Father, I pray that you would give us courage to release and courage to rely on you. God, that we might see your spirit work powerfully through us as we trust. And God, would you give us confidence that as we do those things, that you are reliable, that you will hold us, that you will meet us, and that you will provide for us. God, may our faith be seen in real intangible ways. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>